0: Log Talk Radio.
1: law, new world order, FEMA camps, guillotines, aliens, UFOs, fallen angels, Anunnaki, their earth will never be the same again. And at that time, my
2: That us too, tell all about your future, yet you're the ones he's speaking to, only those with discernment, not blinded by this world, can see what is the obvious, turn into one, the final eye, oh. Just what he thinks is right In his own eyes Ignore the truth Leaders talk about Future war It's now just a push away Judgment is about to on man Only the judge who stand the day Men led by evil spirits That come from the other side Lead men. It's destructive in, it's all written in, it's holy word. Judgment comes upon the lost. Time to waste, run to the fall Drunk on lies of this age, feels too smart to believe. Trade your future for the lust, blind by sin. They call you to join them, to the order that Satan has. To sell her soul For a chance to receive his funds
3: just want to thank you thank you so much for helping us to understand the things that we do understand and and increasing our wisdom and knowledge over time. Father we also want to thank you and praise you so much and Lord Jesus so much because uh, there is a revealing uh, that is taking place. hold on sound is good good okay praise the Lord and uh and father we and Lord Jesus we just want to praise you and thank you. Because we need to shift into a a period where, and not just a period, but really up until the point that we depart this place, into a place of intimacy um, with you, Jesus. And that is a transition that many Christians do not understand, have never been taught. And it is actually kind of different for me as well. I'm used to praying, I'm used to spiritual warfare, but I'm not... I've only been introduced recently to the concept of, of intimacy through that miraculous event that you shared with me at 2 o'clock in the morning while I was tossing and turning with the Wind Beneath My Wings song that entered into my head. And I praise you for that, and I thank you for giving me early warning that I needed to step up my intimacy time with you and increase it. And I pray in the name of Jesus that every listener of this program understands what I'm talking about because... It is becoming ever more um, evident that without that intimacy time, not just prayer time, but intimacy time where we have deep conversations with Jesus, where we sing to him, where we close our eyes in the dark, where we get away from the noise of the day in whatever way we have to, whatever sacrifice that needs to be made, that intimacy time is It's becoming more and more evident that it is a part of being chosen as part of the barley harvest. And I don't think there's a one of us that wants to be here for the ground-based nukes. I don't think there's a one of us that wants to be here for the gigantic thousand-foot tidal wave that's going to wash over the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. I don't think there's any one of us that wants to be here for the day of the Lord in the sixth seal. Most Christians don't even understand that that's when the day of the Lord occurs. Father we just want to thank you for shifting our attention to the need of NMC with Jesus because in the midst of all of the things that are happening across the world right now which are bad in every possible way i really don't know much that's good with the exception of 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 people waking up lots and lots and lots of people waking up and we praise you for that lord because we know that that is the mission that is the mission that we are all on it is the mission it's one thing to partake in you know uh, the normal daily lives and the things you know the things that we got to do with our workplace and taking care of our homes and our families but we have got to get our priorities in order i have a feeling that that the the intensity of that intimacy will grow over time i feel it in my life and i feel that it is something that every one of us needs to embrace now and uh, and uh, it's not just prayer. It's not just spiritual warfare. It's that intimacy, and we need that intimacy. I believe, with all of my heart, to be your friend, to be that intimate that you wouldn't even consider—not even for a, a nanosecond—leaving us behind for the days that are coming upon us soon. I don't like the word "soon," but I—I I got an awful feeling, that uh, awful strong feeling that it—it it, that it's probably if it isn't in the next. You know, several months, it's certainly uh, not too many years down the road before the barley harvest is going to occur. And that, that gives us just enough time to lead a few more people, touch people, drop seeds into the, into their hearts. You know, every single person Praise God that we can just a gentle seed, just a gentle seed, and let people know, yes, this is it. This is the end times. People are waking up, and people are ripe for uh, gathering that fruit uh and bringing that fruit along with us uh even as it says at the end of uh um uh Matthew chapter 10 uh you know uh, about the bringing people to the um you know, as guests of the Wedding Supper, Father, that, what a what a glorious and wonderful opportunity that is for each of us. Father, we just pray that you will impart upon our hearts that required intimacy. Teach us, and I'll speak about this, and thank you, Father God, for quickening this to me. I will speak about this again uh, with with a supporting video or audio bite uh, uh, this Wednesday, praise God. But, Father, we just want to thank you for where you have brought each of us. Thank you for the quickening of the information. Information that um, you, wow, just dumped on me during the prayer vigil. I did not plan on it, and it just started coming out of my mouth, and I just ran with it. And uh, we've received a, a awful lot of communications from various folks, uh, happy and thankful and grateful. Some have listened multiple times to it because uh, we're all going through not all of us, but um, a good portion of us, uh, at least at this juncture, are going through uh, refiners fire events in our lives, and it's teaching us to. It's drawing us into that intimacy, because when you have that intimacy, guess what? It 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 all kind come, kind of comes together in, uh, in 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 that in a package. All right, praise God. And Father, I just wanted to thank you for this time together electronically and for the days that we have ahead because it's getting bumpier out there and more and more people are waking up and we and our duties to the kingdom are becoming more and more evident every day. And for that and for everything else, Father, just for your awesome love and for everything, we praise your holy name and now to you, Lord Jesus who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before our Father, I believe in the throne room, with exceeding joy. And to you, Father God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, now and forever. We praise you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God, I don't deserve it, but it looks like the Lord is quickening upon my heart things that are very um, timely. Um, there was a quickening that came upon me during the prayer vigil, and it. Compl- I, I was not prepared for it. I had no intention of uh, going off on that discussion, uh, there's talking points, and whatever you want to call it, uh, and sharing what, what the Lord imparted upon my heart. I had no intention. There was no plan. There was no, n- nothing. Zero. Zip nada you know and i just started the program and then all of a sudden it just came over me you know now now granted i am influenced of course by my experi everything around me aren't we all right? Amen. And of course that, that makes it, uh, for me, it's a little bit more, uh, you know, in your face because of, uh, doing the program and, and being blessed with so many people all over the world that talk to me and send me communications. I get a pretty good sampling of, uh, the state of mind that people are in. And yeah, those things definitely do influence me, but yeah, there was just, a series of very weird supernatural—not—not not weird to me because I'm—I'm born, you know, born and raised uh, border. I, I call it border. You know, it's kind of like um, it, it's as close to being Pentecostal as you can possibly get without actually being Pentecostal. Okay, but anyway, I'm not going to get into all that. But anyway, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Uh, there is a shift taking place right now uh, for the believers. I'm just going to speak this forth. I feel it, and I just know it's true. Um uh and that shift now is that uh you know we want to be on top you know I'm not saying please you, you got to think of life as a pie chart you got to think of your eternity as a pie chart and you got to think of your rewards in heaven as a pie chart and that pie chart is indicative of if you understand what a pie chart is and what it looks like it's indicative of how you slice up your life and your free time and stuff like that, and I can tell you that I in, I very intimately understand needing to disconnect, maybe watch a few Hallmark Christmas movies whatever, whatever it is that you, you want to do to disconnect from all the ugly that's out there. I think that that is really important. But we need to add a new piece. I'm gonna I'm gonna get off. I don't have time to preach on this right now, but I, and I'll talk about it a little bit more on Wednesday because um, Gary Wayne is prompt and he wants. You know his hour is a slot. He he does a lot of radio shows, and I don't want to run out of time tonight. But I do want to tell you, I want to share this with you. There was a powerful message for those of us who are going through the refiners fire right now uh, that was shared on the prayer vigil this last Friday. So it's the, you know if you go to if you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash tribulation-now you can scroll down and just find the very most recent prayer vigil and it even has a you know a little add-on blog talk is starting to cut my uh, it's not me I think it's their own policy and I don't know why they're doing it but they're they're shortening they're abbreviating the length that I can use the amount of characters I can use in the title of a program, uh, which I find incredibly annoying. Uh, but anyway, uh, just look for the, the, the most recent prayer vigil, uh, there. Um, it will help you understand the, um, God has always been really good to me and, I mean, in so many ways I can't even explain, but in one particular area, our, our Heavenly Father has been really, really good to me in the sense that he always seems to give me, I don't know, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, whatever you want to call them. But they come in, and they're unexpected, and they always seem to happen at just the right time, and it always is applicable to me. You know it's one thing when somebody's standing up at a at a pulpit and um and they're uh um hold on just a second here. Okay, thank you for the sound. Is a good sound check. Praise God. And Sister Nancy, thank you. Um yep, um Sister Nancy says she yes, she has listened to part of the prayer vigil and she's going to go back and listen to cuz a lot of that was for for her, but a lot of the things that Sister Nancy's been going through uh, w- were influencers in my heart that you know kind of drove the d- various directions that the Lord led me through as I was speaking through it. But the most wonderful thing of all regarding um, going through the refiner's fire, and this this is not something that I would typically think of on my own. Believe me, uh, I find it annoying, frustrating angering. Uh, I just want to scream. I'm so sick and tired of getting beaten down. And and I know a lot of us are. I really do. I I, I live it. I'm there. I'm right there with you. We're all going through it together. Um, And uh, if you haven't started to go through it yet, expect that you will. Um, You should. Um, and I talk a little bit about the difference between chastening and the refiner's fire. The refiner's fire is advanced. You don't, you're don't. you going to get chastening if you're a baby, if you've still got a lot of growing to do. You're, you're more likely to get more chastening. When you get past the point in your walk where God doesn't have to take you behind the barn and whack your hiney. Um, because, you know, but see, here's the thing. The refiner's fire can actually be far worse to tolerate than chastening in a lot of cases, and I covered that. But the good news about chastening is that it means that you are in line for the barley harvest. You wa- oh, wait, 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 wait. Let me correct that. I That was a Freudian slip. The good thing about the refiner's fire is that it means that you are you are in line for the barley harvest, okay? God will refine you. You have to get past the chastening point to move into the phase of the refiner's fire, okay? And um and that's and so that means it's a blessing. And it's something to be happy about. I know it's a paradox. Our whole walk is a paradox. But I did want to share that with you because I'm, you know, just an awful lot of people are sending me special emails. And thank you for that. I just It was just, just what I needed to hear. God bless you. I'm listening to it a couple of times, that kind of thing. So maybe it will bless you too. All right, because there's an awful lot of us that are going through some... Rocky Roads, to say the least, and that's part of the refiner's fire. Um, Now, anyway, I I, I cover it in so much more detail in the three hours of the the prayer vigil program. Uh, So, anyway, now I've got to get back to this show because I'm going to run out of time. So, kids, I am sorry to tell you this, but I cannot do jokes. I know. But you understand it's all for Jesus, right? Okay. All right. All right. I got too much audio I have to play tonight. All right. I'm going to play this for you. This is flying around the Internet like wildfire. And I praise Jesus for that. Hallelujah. Uh, You know, and uh, whatever you do, I, I know that this is a really hard thing for a lot of young Christians to do. When I say young, you can be 80 years old and you can still be a young Christian. Don't even I could quote you bible verse after bible verse to prove what I'm saying is true. Paul cried and multiple times because uh, you know you should you should all be teachers by now but you know you're not even ready to eat meat you're still drinking milk. He got frustrated with the churches because they got stuck and they did not grow in Christ. And um we don't want to be that way. We don't want to be that way, but there so one of the first steps that you want to take in your as you grow is you've got to stop you don't want to stereotype anymore don't do it read. Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and take note that every one of those churches, okay, uh, it, Jesus said, there's some of you that have washed your robes white and clean and are doing a wonderful job and all that kind of thing. So the lesson to be learned is don't judge somebody because of the religion that they're associated with, unless, unless it's the church of same. Then you might want to use a little bit of wisdom in that case and pray for them. Uh, but, um, there's going to be a lot of people, regardless of whatever denomination they're a part of, that are going to make it to the wedding supper. Okay, you know, uh, some of them are practicing, some of them aren't. Not all of them, just because they're part of that particular faith or de- denomination or whatever. And look, you you know, want to know what, what one of the worst denominations is in the world? Evangelical American Christianity. It is bar none probably one of the worst, if in the world because they teach once saved always saved they do a whole bunch of things I i'm not here to pick on the church i'm just here to open your heart and help you to understand that the lord is looking for that intimate relationship from each individual regardless of what the even if they're part of the russian orthodox church it really is irrelevant even in churches that are allowing abominations inside their churches which they shouldn't do and they're being run improperly if they do but. There are still probably many, many, maybe it's only 2%, but that 2%, they love the Lord, they give from their heart, they do what they're asked, they're obedient, they they, uh, have an intimate relationship with Jesus, and you know what? They might very well be sitting right beside you, Uh, and I hope that we all make it, and uh, anyway, uh, now I'm going to bust into this because otherwise I'm going to run out of time. I want to play this snippet of Glenn Beck's vision uh, that he got. I'm just going to play it. Um, It really doesn't have any surprises for us, you know, the regular listeners of this program. However, I want to play it because I want to send this vivid message across this radio show of how humongous the events across the world all happening in this perfect storm fashion, are affecting people on a grandiose scale. Millions and millions and millions and millions. I would even venture to say possibly billions. Remember, eight billion. You know, God's pretty amazing. And anyway, listen to this.
4: Uh, I had what could be described as a dream. I do not believe it was, um, but you might just say, well, that's ridiculous, whatever. In this dream, uh, I wake, uh, I, I come to in this dream, and I am in a hallway of the White House. And I'm, a, I'm walking into a big room where there's a bunch of cubicles and people look up like, who's walking in? And there are people behind me, but I don't know who they are yet. I just know I'm being pushed forward by them. The people are at the cubicles and they look over the cubicle first at me and then they their eyes dart to the people behind me and then dart right back down. And I realize everybody in the White House is terrified of who's ever behind me. I kind of glance back and I see these people that are in uniforms that I've never seen before. Um, And um, I have seen them since, but that will be for some other time. But I had never seen these before. And uh, we're being pushed through this place and then we go into a room like the Situation Room, okay? Big conference room, presidential, uh, and uh, it's me and about three other people, and we're sitting down at that conference room table, and we were told just to wait there. So we do, and we start talking about, oh, I don't think this is going to be good. That's when two other people walk in, um, and they were clearly identified in the dream. However, I'm not sure anymore that that um image was anything other than helping me relate to what i'm about to tell you um so uh the one guy uh when they open the door these guys in the uniforms are in the hallway and the one guy says uh him him and him take him out and they get up and look at me, and I'm the only one sitting at the table still, and uh, they go out, the guards close the doors, and I'm now alone with these two people that are clearly in charge of something. They're not political. They're not in a political position. It didn't feel like, you know, it wasn't the president or anything like that. And um, they are uh, standing there, and then I hear three gunshots and they said uh yeah yeah that happened pretty quickly for them however you we're gonna get to know and um and i i said okay and they said because you really have no idea who you're dealing with and that's when one of them reached under like a mission impossible mask and ripped off his face and he was satan he was a demon okay horrifying reptilian i wake up this was so um vivid that i didn't tell anyone for months and not even my wife and it bothered me deeply And I didn't know exactly what to do with that information. And uh, about a year, year and a half went by. And um, it still was with me almost every day. um, Something you just don't forget. And uh, I get a call from a guy who is, you would know his name, big spiritual leader. And he calls me, he says, can you come to my... uh, can you come to my house? I, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay, sure. When? And he said, as soon as possible. I said, this weekend. Okay. He said, yeah. So I fly out. My wife and I stay overnight. We're going to see him the next morning. And uh, that night I have the exact same dream. And I wake up and I'm just in a panic. And we get in the car, I don't tell my wife, we get in the car and she said, this is going to be nice. And I said, yeah, except I'm having a hard time breathing right now. And she said, why? And I said, because I had that dream again last night. Remember, 10 years, no dreams, two dreams, the same one, one and then the same one about a year and a half later. And she said, you know, you should talk to him about that. And I said, no, no, no. I, uh, uh, if the Lord wants me to delve into it, he'll, he'll, he'll bring it up. Uh, no, I, I, I don't want to talk about it. And so we go into the guy's house. We sit down. He's sitting on a couch. And he sits down. He sits right on the edge of the couch. And he leans into me. And he says, you know, sometimes the Lord talks to people. I said, uh-huh. And he said, um, and sometimes people like you, he'll he'll speak in many different ways, uh-huh, including dreams or visions. And I said, Right. And he said, and this is when he leaned in, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I said, uh-huh. And he said, do not dismiss that dream. Do not ever dismiss that. And I said, okay. He sat back and he said, that's it. That's all I wanted to say. That was it. I have made choices on this show based on that. You might find that ridiculous. Maybe you don't. I will never dismiss that. I'm sharing it with you today, what, 10 years later, because you must not dismiss what you're dealing with. We are not in a battle of politics, we're not. Politics and our whole culture has become evil. I started this hour talking about what this pedophilia stuff that is going around and how this nobody nobody will even say anything that the, the, the designer of this uses the hashtag Moloch that is the god of child sacrifice this is what we're dealing with now I never thought that people and well I wrote the book Eye of Moloch I never thought the average person who was involved in all of this stuff, even believed in any of that, but they are being put into situations where some leaders, and I'm not talking politically in this particular case, I'm talking about that designer. I do believe they know what they're doing, and we are worshiping Moloch. We are worshiping ball and they are demanding our children as a sacrifice you have to get to a point to where you are going to choose a side there is there will be no one left on the benches and if you think you can sit it out you will end up on the wrong side I I urge you to uh, know who you serve. This is a different time in human experience. This is not normal. None of this is normal. And uh, it has been coming slowly in dribs and drabs, but for those who are really paying attention it's methodical and it has taken a extremely disturbing turn. We are we're no longer talking about issues of you know tax policies and how big the government should be. We're not talking about those things anymore. We are talking about the erasing of the fundamental right for you to choose between good and evil you're you're being coerced right now to accept one side taking away your freedom of choice that is god-given
3: all right all right praise god well anyway so um the I just wanted you to hear that because I wanted you know he he has a humo- you know a huge audience, and of course people share things, and so you can imagine that probably over time hundreds of millions of people will eventually have heard that now you also have uh you know Alex Jones who has done a fabulous job even as far back as five plus six seven eight years ago uh revealing uh the satanic influences in the government. Uh, and he's been very forthright about it and look what's happened to him so um and he's he's still hanging on by a thread but he just filed bankruptcy personal bankruptcy to protect him, you know to, probably to protect his you know his dwelling place because um, they're trying to you know utterly destroy him but anyway and um all that kind of stuff now the reason this is this is so if you go to tribulation-now.org and i, I got to move forward quickly but i'm just going to share this with you There are so I'm, I'm somewhat oversimplifying on purpose because I don't have time to go into the complexities and the nuances of all of the, all of the different Christian groups that are going to be going through different things during the Great Tribulation. All it, basically, uh, I, and that didn't come out right either. Uh, let, me, let me put it to you like this. You've got the wise virgins. They have an intimate relationship with Jesus. They walk in the spirit. They they're in the Bible. We'll talk a little bit more about that on Wednesday. Now um, you've got then and that's there's your barley harvest. There's your first fruits. These are the people that are intimate with Jesus. These Jesus isn't going to leave his friends here for the ugly. But those who don't have that friendship relationship, that intimate relationship with Jesus, they got they need more refining. If you go to tribulation-now.org, now, and then that would take them to the refining of the wheat harvest, which is the day of the Lord. They'd have to go through the alien invasion and the World War III thing, all right. which I don't think anybody on earth would want to go through. All right, and then you've got the grape harvest, which is in Revelation uh, 14 NLT, uh, very clear there. Uh, it specifically says grape harvest and that they're the tribulation saints they're the ones that have the seal on their forehead that don't get stung by the locusts but they're still here on earth they belong to god and they're going through hell okay they're going through hell on earth Now, um, but anyway, so they're more commonly referred to as the tribulation saints, and then you've got which are also a group or a subset, if you will, of the foolish virgins. But I also wanted to call to your attention, there's because as all these things are unfolding for me, uh, what's happening for me, and probably many of the long-term listeners, uh, long-time listeners, is. we're starting to see things correlate all the way back to stuff that we knew in 2012, 2011, that kind of thing. It's all coming together now. For example, if you go to tribulation-now.org and you go to the all the white links on the black, and it depends if you're using a mobile device, it could be at the bottom, blah, blah, blah. But just look for the all the white links uh, that are on the black background, and you will see… One entitled Critical Prophecies. If you scroll down to one, two, three, four, five, six, the six one down in that menu drop down, it's entitled Christians will take the mark of the beast. Now, why is that important? Well, if you're part of the barley barley harvest, you're not going to be here for that at all anyway. And NASA's going to tell everybody that the aliens took them. And of course, since the only people that hear the sound of the trumpet are the people that are being taken up, all the Christians that are left on the earth are going to believe that the aliens did take them. They're going to believe in Project Blue Beam, which is live from Satan and all that other stuff. And it's going to be most unfortunate. But we have been very, very blessed to understand these things. It took a long, long time for the Lord to impart all these things in little teeny-weeny bite-sized chunks over more than a decade of time uh, to me. And and then, of course, I relay them out to you through, via this program. Praise God. But it's way too much information for me to be able to... I would have to quit my job and do nothing but type articles to get out as much information as I get out during one show. One show would equal probably ten separate articles. I don't have that kind of time. I'm, I'd have to be superhuman. Praise God. Um, so anyway, and, and it's actually the opposite it? I'm getting, you know, older and more tired, uh, you know, and then of course we're all going through the refiners fire. We're going through the stresses of our jobs and our relationships and all the other things which I talk about in great detail on the Friday night prayer vigil. Praise God! But I wanted you to hear that because I want you to understand. The magnitude. Many of the listeners of this program uh, are, and there's nothing wrong with this, they're they're retired, they may be ill and sick, and they may be looking very much forward to leaving. Um, They may have left listening to this program because they cannot endure the idea that we would talk about this taking a couple of more years. I remember when I was like that. If somebody said I was going to be around here for a couple of more years, I would have been like... I would have rather rather thrown tomatoes at them than listen to another word they had to say because you know you can it's all it's like going through the five stages of grief really it's very difficult to come to the place that the Lord has brought I think a lot of us and the place is actually a place of joy and awesomeness and coolness and everythingness uh, because you know why because you realize it, my goodness gracious are we close I mean. Again, all things are relative. We don't know how much time we got. But anyway, um, but boy, is it getting, now it's getting to the point where every little, every contractor, every person I talk to, whether they're at work, I can sort of sense, maybe it's the Holy Spirit in me or whatever. I can sense that there are certain people that at my workplace that I dare not say nothing. Okay. But there's other ones that I can just feel that, you know, they're, they know stuff, you know, and then I might. Toss out a little crumb and see if they go go for it. But anyway, praise God, thank you, Jesus. I just wanted you to be able to to grasp, you know. Now, now, you know when Glenn Beck's got. Some would argue that Glenn Beck has a little bit higher of a credibility than Alex Jones does to to a wider range of people. But I, I don't, you know. Again, at the end of the day. If you read that critical prophecy, that link, if you drop down the window and, and, you know, and you read that Christians will take the mark of the beast, if you read that article, what you will discover is in there, there are some people who are, you know, most of the people standing in line to take the mark of the beast, they are, their heads are just topped off. You know, if they, if they deny you know, do you, do you deny Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior? Uh, No, I don't. He is my Lord and Savior. Bam, off goes your head. And then they go to the next person, the next person, and, 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 you know, that kind of thing. It's pretty – the, the line moves pretty fast, okay? And they even have like a grim reaper-looking person at the end of the line. It's pretty creepy, sick, twisted, poor story type stuff. And they're going to do that. It's going to be for real. Now, um, Now, all that being said, though, in this particular vision that the person who is in this prophetic word, that Christians will take the mark of the beast, this person also took note that there were some Christians that were in another room. They weren't standing in the line to get their heads chopped off. They were actually in another room nearby the line, and they were being tortured. They were being tortured. And, um, uh, you know, maybe I have a, a memory like a steel trap, like an elephant, I don't know. But I, but I immediately, when I heard Glenn, Beck, Glenn Beck's vision, um, I immediately knew that it correlated. The fact that, you know, they told him that they that he was going to be treated differently, you know, because you have no idea who we are and you, you've been out here spreading this word and causing us all kinds of grief and blah, 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 and all this, you know, that kind of thing. So for those unfortunate brothers and sisters of ours who are... And they are unfortunate, very unfortunate, and any one of us are going to be tremendously, fantastically, unspeakably unfortunate if we – if that spaceship shows up in the sky and NASA announces that the people were taken by the aliens and you're still standing on this Earth, you've got uh, probably a couple of years of some of the worst hell on Earth to go through that – and you're probably not going to live to the rapture. Twenty two million people are going to die when that when that meteor hits off the coast of Puerto Rico and causes the thousand foot tsunami. The whole ceremony vision thing, you know, you go back and listen to that. I'm trying to help people understand and piecemeal all these things together in the context of the things that are happening on the earth today. And also, impart as best as I can with the limited time that I have, um, uh, impart to you the things that the Lord is imparting to me. Through listeners, through links that I get sent to, I, I know when I, I know the difference I, I, it's weird i can't I, it's a supernatural thing. I can get a link from somebody that has a YouTube video in it, and I don't feel like looking at it at all there's no I don't even have the tiniest little idios i mean not even the tiniest little inkling to feel no feeling whatsoever to open it up at all. I just don't have it. It's gone. It's not there. But there are other ones that I will get sent, and I can't not listen to them. Now, is that the Holy Spirit taking me taking me over, and you know, and causing all those emotions? What is that? Is that a word of wisdom? Is that a word of knowledge? What is that? I don't know what it is. All I know is that some things I am. I, it's like a gigantic. You know, brown dwarf magnet sucking me to it, and I've got to hear it. And I'll even snooze it and make it pop up and set alarms and everything else. So, um, uh, but then there's other ones that um, you know, I just I'm like, I I don't want to listen to it. I, I don't even I, there's not even any interest. So it's very fascinating how the Lord works with me, and I don't really understand it all, but I just kind of go with the flow. Praise God. What else are you going to do, right, Uh, except become more intimate with Jesus? Praise God. By the way, that is mandatory. Please, please start doing it now. Please beg you. I don't want one list. I pray in tears gushing down my face nose completely closed up, a handkerchief in my hand, on my knees, anointed with oil for the listeners of this radio show, I do not want one to miss the barley harvest. This isn't about heaven. This is not a heaven and hell program. This is a make the barley harvest, first fruits, ruling and reigning with Jesus, turning into Jesus, being like Jesus in every sense of the word. That's what this is about. Achieving the, the highest rewards that you can possibly achieve in all the universes. That's what this program is about. I've had people get, you know, sideways on me and go, well, you, you know, he's telling people that everybody's going to go to hell if they don't do this or they don't do that. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. The vast majority, probably 98%, Maybe 99.99999% of the people who call themselves Christians have no concept of a barley harvest rapture. They have no concept of a wheat harvest rapture. They have no concept of any of these things. They don't understand the stuff that we talk about on this program. And I've I've, I've bumped uh, against that multiple times. As a matter of fact, that's the one reason why I started to put – the radio show links out the morning of the show because I would be attacked by Christians even to the point where they would call up or somehow get in touch with the guest and badmouth this program so the guest would not appear. And I said, you know what, enough, enough, enough is enough. I'm just going to uh, you know, institute a countermeasure, and I will not give them enough time to do the works of Satan. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Now, one more. I got to play this for you. I got to. You need to listen to this. It's only two minutes long, but it's very, very important. Now, listen to me. This is critical. All right, this is Scott Ritter, and he's the uh, U.S. Marine Corps XCIA expert on Russia, and he's you know he's he's basically given his life away. Uh, you know, he's a hunted man, and he's telling everybody the truth about what's really going on over in Russia, which is going to shock you. And I'm gonna I'm gonna hit that real hard and fast. As soon as I play this clip, what I want you to understand when you hear this clip isn't so much I want you to hear how a man who probably isn't even a believer happens to compare the things that are happening right now out there as being, you know, like the horses of the apocalypse. Now, you think that was an accident? I don't
5: think so. Here goes. The death of a nation is never something that's pleasant to watch. And yet today, before the world community, the nation state of Ukraine is dying. It's dying as a consequence of a war that didn't need to be fought, it shouldn't have been fought, and is only being fought because of the policies made by the Ukrainian government, together with their European allies, NATO, the European Union, and the United States, Canada, and others who have encouraged Ukraine. To forego a diplomatic solution to the problems it has with Russia and instead choose war. But war is never a solution. War only creates more problems. When William Shakespeare wrote, cry havoc and let loose the dogs of war, accompanying the dogs of war are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And with them comes all that that entails, death and destruction, famine, everything that's happening to the nation of Ukraine and the people of Ukraine today. And unfortunately for them, there is no ready solution.
3: All right. Praise God. So I wanted you to hear, do you think that was a coincidence? And um, again, it's coming our way, folks. It's coming our way. I just don't know. Nobody in the world knows the timing Okay, but I would think that based on the Bibles, the words from the Bible and, you know, don't harm the oil or the wine at the end of the third seal, that it would probably be because remember that the scrolls are rolling out in parallel. So, you know, the second seal, the third seal and the fourth seal are kind of like in progress together right now. All right. And so that really makes it ultra confusing because we There's no way to pinpoint. We can't – it's too hard to tell when the barley harvest is going to occur other than the fact that we're going to be here till the global financial collapse happens, the petrodollar collapse happens. And then ultimately that would also lead to the rise of the Antichrist, and then we'll be out of here. And we already know it's Obama, and we already know what's going on. That's beside the point. We're very, very – we're like – .00001% .00001% of the Christian population, okay, folks? So that that's not what the Bible's talking about. The Bible is saying that the vast majority of believers uh, in Jesus will say, hey, that's it, kind of thing, all right? So, so just remember that the uh, Bible is an understatement, all right? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, and now uh, let's, go, let's go ahead and mow through the rest of the news.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, may I
2: have your attention, please? wrong. Me. <laughs> Game over.
3: Alright, praise God. Next. All right. Okay, so a couple of tidbits on some of the stuff that's going on over in the Ukraine. That's a big deal, by the way, folks, because that is the beginning of the global World War III and all the stuff that, you know, it's it's all over the Bible. All right, now, um, in two months, now listen to this. According to this particular headline that came out of the Russian Ministry of Defense, it says in two more months they will will be calling up an additional 300,000 reservists. Okay, I'm just now I'm, I'm now I'm going to move on because there's much more to the story. In the meantime, while that's happening, they have this particular uh, high level leader, Alexei Danilov, who's anyway, he came out publicly saying with his microphone in front of a large audience that. Russia needs to be completely destroyed. Now, that's all part of the narrative, you see, because the more that Putin feels threatened, et etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the more he is likely to strike. And that's what they're trying to get, have happen. They're, they're weakening the West, giving away all, all the military accoutrements, uh, money, and everything else under the sun. And, and the West is a lame duck, and it's weak, and NATO is li- limping around. And then they're telling all of the American people that, oh, well, the Ukrainians are winning the war and blah, blah, blah. Well, let me tell you something, folks. The lies are so filthy, thick. Oh, my gosh. I. There, there really aren't words. I don't think the Oxford English Dictionary and all of its glory could possibly find a word that would capture the stench associated with the amount of lying that we're having to be subject to all the time. And boy, my Bible says all the liars will be cast into the lake of fire, Gehenna. All right, now, um I, I wanted to share this uh with you. This is from General McGregor. I'm sorry, uh, Colonel McGregor, who is a military expert and uh, you know, ex-military leader and on the American Conservative, he wrote an article. It is fantastic. If you go to the American Conservative, you will love this article. I don't have time to read the whole thing to you. Washington's uh, Carthaginian peace collides with reality. So he's basically saying that's a nice way of saying Washington's full of bunk. All right, now praise God. I'm just going to read you this one paragraph, and I assure you, Colonel McGregor knows exactly what he's talking about. This is what's really happening over there. I study a lot more than what I share on the radio show, but I can tell you right now the mud is really thick. And it, and it looks very much like World War I, if you're familiar with that. Um, and Russia needs that mud to freeze because they're coming in hard. So according to Colonel McGregor, I quote, The coming offensive phase of the conflict will provide a glimpse of the new Russian force that is emerging and its future capabilities. At this writing, 540,000 Russian combat forces are assembled in southern Ukraine, western Russia, and Belarus. A half a million, a little more. The numbers continue to grow, he says, but the numbers already include 1,000 rocket artillery systems, thousands of tactical ballistic missiles, cruise missiles, drones, plus 5,000 armored fighting vehicles, including at least 1,500 tanks. Hundreds of manned fixed-wing aircraft, helicopters, and bombers. This new force has little in common with the Russian army that intervened nine months ago on February 24th of 2022. Folks, what is about to come is so huge and so globally, mind-bendingly devastating that I don't really think any, they don't want us to know for a good reason. Because the the net impact on a global level will be catastrophic. All right? Stand by. It's coming real soon. All right, praise God. Next headline up. U.S. troops are combat ready on Russian border, Lithuania, according to a Lithuanian commander. So now, according to this Lithuanian commander... He says American forces are now ready to fight immediately, the NATO the NATO members top general says. And and the article starts out and it says the United States forces stationed in Lithuania have switched their stance from deterrence of Russia to, quote, combat readiness. Okay. Hopefully you heard that. And by the way, that was published by the Russian Ministry of Defense, which makes it even more ominous. It means they know, which, of course, it's designed for them to know. We are provoking them into World War III. That is the goal of Satan. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. And believe me, they are working for Satan. I strongly doubt that Klaus Schwab and Gates are even human. I, I strongly, 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 strongly doubt that. All right. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Next one up. Manila vows to Manila, you know, the capital of the Philippines, vows to fight for South China Sea oil and gas without Chinese approval. The South China Sea is subject to several territorial disputes, including discord between China and the Philippines. The bottom line here, a cut to the chase, is the Philippines don't care. They're saying straight up, we're going to go out and – Get the power and the oil and whatever it is we need and the gas. And if we got to do it in the China Sea, too bad. Well, of course, you can only imagine what, what that's going to lead to. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Now, I, I'm going to be running a little bit over on time, I, and it breaks my heart. And I know Gary's on a tight schedule, but i got to get this information out. Um, as a matter of fact, what I can do, here's what I'm going to do. Um, Gary is very prompt with the one-hour um a slot and that's awesome and i know he's a very busy guy so what i'm going to do is i'm going to jump over for gary but i have several i have probably about 20 additional very powerful very eye-opening very mind-numbing very spooky scary holy mackerel we are at the end of the end of times this is getting real bad headlines that i want to share with you after gary slot okay i don't want to bleed into gary slot too far i I got too many things i got to cover and that always happens when i play audio clips praise god thank you jesus so anyway on that note let's go ahead and bring on brother gary wayne here we go Brother Gary, are you there?
6: I am, and uh, so happy to be with you again tonight. Sounds like you have uh, a lot of good things lined up for your listeners tonight.
3: Oh man, the stuff is pouring. It's it's like. A, so the end. Time, okay, like the next thing I was going to read, I, I won't get into it. But I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I, I'll give you because I know Gary. Gary is kind of like a closet <laughs> listener, you know what I mean? He like wants to know. But I'll just give you get this. Get this. Governor DeSantis in Florida. Everybody knows he's a rebel. All right. So get what he says. He published this on the governor, on the governor's site. It's like uh, an executive order sort of a thing. And the title of it is, Governor Ron DeSantis Eliminates ESG Considerations from State Pension Investments. Now, that's the tip of the iceberg, by the way. He's at war with Disney. He's angry about the LGBT LGBT LMNP stuff. He's taken away all kinds of tax incentives. He's taken away – I mean, he is literally at full-blown financial war with Disney. So much so that Disney fired their CEO and brought in their last one because he was more diplomatic. Okay, but DeSantis ain't letting down. He is double boxing gloves, punching these guys out. Listen to what it says in this little proclamation. Corporate power has increasingly been utilized to impose an ideological agenda on the American people through the perversion of financial investment priorities under the euphemistic banners of environmental, social, and corporate governance and diversity, inclusion, and equity, said Governor Ron DeSantis. With the resolution we passed today, the tax dollars and proxy votes of the people of Florida will no longer be commandeered by Wall Street financial firms and used to implement policies through the boardroom that Floridians reject at the ballot box. We are reasserting the authority of the Republican governance over corporate dominance, and we are prioritizing the financial security of the people of Florida over the whimsical notions of a utopian tomorrow. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but you probably heard the JFK, you know, Secret Society uh Deal. This is right in line with yep. that. This is like, this is like DeSantis flying over to Germany, hunting down Klaus Schwab and like doing one of those like, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, oh gosh, you know, the, the Three Stooges, whoop, 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 poing, oing, 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 like right in Klaus Schwab's eyes. He's like, bring it on. I mean, and he he literally. <laughs> there's another. Then I, listen to this. I got it. Gary. You're gonna love this. I got. I, I just have to. I can't like not. I feel like I'd be letting you down if I didn't listen to this. It's short. It's real short. But you got to hear this. All right. Hold on a second.
7: To the people of Florida, and we have delivered on those promises.
5: You won't believe and what he so says
7: today. After four years, the people have delivered their verdict. Freedom is here to stay. We, we have embraced freedom. We have maintained law and order. We have protected the rights of parents. We have respected our taxpayers, and we reject woke ideology. We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die.
3: Florida is where woke goes to die. You know, I wonder, do you think he knows he's dealing with principalities, powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness, and rulers of darkness and eye blazes?
6: Uh, I'm not sure about that. but uh, You know what I mean?
3: Can you imagine Klaus yeah. and Gates? And they're going, wow, man, that guy really makes us nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be surprised <laughs> if he makes it through his entire governance, uh, you know, his entire four years at this point. <laughs>
0: anyway. He, anyway, yeah, I think, show I think
6: he's, uh, I was just going to say, I think uh, he's going to be viewed if not already as dangerous or more dangerous than uh than trump was and is and they're going yeah, to turn against them
3: is... yeah go ahead keep going they're going to turn yeah against they're going them? to
6: turn against them with a, a larger force than what they did with trump because he's a little more savvy at least you know from a political um and presentation wise and uh, so far hasn't made the same sort of obvious kind of mistakes that sort of you know, people who want to support him, it makes it more difficult to to support him. But yet, he's got similar policies, and and he may have the similar kind of courage. And so, he becomes way more dangerous because he appeals to a lot broader base, and not just sort of the core, um, you know, conservative base. So, they're going to have to rise up against him, and it'll be more vicious against him than it was against uh, Trump.
3: Yeah, Trump, Trump had, I think, just a guess. But my guess is that Trump had some advisors. Now, he had a lot of people sticking him in the back and all that kind of stuff. But I think he had a few advisors that knew what he was up against, the magnitude of the power that he was dealing with. Because yeah. he yep. even had – he made a he comment yeah. – Ohio where he said he was fighting big pharma and he even hinted around that he wasn't sure he's was going to be alive for much longer.
6: He even said that out loud. Well, I mean that's all that's always the risk. It's just that he he I think what they felt is is they could they could handle Trump after a while, but you know they're not I don't think they are against taking him out. Um but I think uh, he he knew that the the, the swamp was deep. I, I'm, I'm thinking he after he got in it, he saw that it is way bigger, way deeper, more powerful than even he thought. But to give Trump credit, he did not back down. But I think they could sort of keep, like I said, I think they could keep Trump sort of boxed so he wouldn't be the size of the populist movement that somebody that was going against all of this mung and corruption, so to speak, um, should have, but DeSantis, if he continues on his same path, he doesn't carry that same kind of baggage and is able to, to go through the politics better. But your question is so legitimate. Does DeSantis know actually how deep, and thick and does it go does he and does he believe that it goes beyond the, the visible and into the invisible as you're talking about that's the really big question because that's how he will have to fight that's how we all have to fight this whole fight is both on the visible who are basically just the puppets for the invisible ones and we need to understand where that source and that power is and, and how we're going to deal with that
3: yeah, and, and I, I think, uh, you know, since we know God is in control, a lot, of, a lot of Christians don't understand that God, they don't understand that God is literally in control of Satan at all times. And, um, you know, he, he roams here and there and causes problems and that kind of thing. But I'm just saying that ultimately God is in control. We know that. Okay, but anyway, you could call it a long leash some, if you wanted to. But the point is, does God... That's the that's the that's the the question of the day. Well, we'll call it the question of the season. Does because thus far, our heavenly Father has not stopped anything from moving forward since the pandemic. Since all that stuff started moving forward, all the evil, all the LGBT element of P, all the horrible things they're doing to the children, all of the you know drag queen stuff and all that you know, and it just and the list just never ends. It never ends. And so you know. What what is God? What what does God want? Does God want to move quickly into you know God? Our heavenly Father made it very clear. You know it's all in the Book of Revelation. We know what's coming. Jesus told us what was what's going to happen in all of that Discourse. So since we're already since it's already a work in progress, is God our Father going to say? I'm going to call it the lay in game. Even though I've lifted my hand of protection off the entire earth and I've allowed this bioweapon pandemic to slaughter millions, you know, uh, you know, uh, kill untold numbers of people that it's like the numbers are mounting every single day. I mean, it's just unbelievable and not, you know, and all the other things, the war in Russia and the Ukraine and all the other things that are going on. Does God just simply come out and say, hey, I'm going to let Trump or DeSantis take The helm and have a delay in game. In other words, I'm going to put a pause on the end times. And I don't see anything in the Bible about God putting a pause on anything. It just gets worse and worse and worse in my Bible. I don't know about
6: yours, but you know. Well, there's, there's. Yeah, I think there's there's, a possibility that he could he could utilize people to put a delay on it, Um, but. We're also taught sort of big, biblically that um, there is an ordained time, so there's a set period that this is going to take um, place in. And I think it has something to do with, you know, the permitting of playing out a free choice so that there's never ever anything that can be said at the end of all of this that God caused only of this, caused only of this any of this. This was all done through free choice of first the fallen angels and then the people who followed the fallen angels and the creations of the fallen angels. So I think that's playing out and I think there's a timetable that God understands as the Alpha Omega and Jesus understands as the Alpha Omega about how long it takes to fulfill all the names in the book of life that needs to play out. So at least you know before the millennium starts off. So I think that's sort of all in place, that people have that free choice to keep their names in the book of life or not, right? We get, get that opportunity, yep. so I think the fullness only thing the that Gentile. happens yeah, fullness of the Gentiles, so until that is fulfilled the way they have foreseen that it's going to be is Alpha Omega, then it, it sort of continues, and so I think at times God provides people to push back the evil so that they can't completely over well near the earth, but this is a period that has to play out because otherwise you couldn't, he couldn't as in perfection, make the perfection case to say that I give so much time, let both human and angels do as they would choose to do without me uh, and provided lots of exit ramps for people to take and an ability to, Uh, gain immortality and it always leads to the same place and that case just has to be sort of fully um, proved by letting it play out through free choice so only delays that I would see would be is is to ensure that all the people that had their names written in the book of life from before creation have that opportunity now I also recognize that there's a thought in there because in one presumes in the uh, millennium there's going to be more names that are going to be added to that you know to be filled through the book of life, but at the end of the game, at the end of the day, at the end of the thousand years, humankind, even with the rule of Jesus, they're going to have uh, a serious number of those who blot their names out because they rebel against God and Jesus after Satan is released again, so that parts the I think to prove that humans even without all of that misleadership of of the other side would do the same thing given ultimate free choice and not having those sort of spiritual uh guardrails to stop us from doing so
3: well said yep i agree
6: so yeah so i i i think things continue i think the the spurious forces are frustrated. I think we heard that you're talking about Davos. I think we heard that very, very clearly. You know, they certainly, between them and all of the, the leaders around the world, they learned that not everything worked and they need to double down on other things and learn from what happened. But they are they are extraordinarily frustrated and seemingly will be additionally more vicious in terms of trying to get to where they thought they would be. Coming out of the last pestilence, so we'll have to wait and see, but I think things are continuing I think they're they're speeding up, so I think we're actually heading towards that period where we start to get into the last seven years, and I think we're definitely in the fig tree generation, but we'll we'll have to wait and see how things sort of play out and how long that actually takes
3: yeah Yeah. the time- to- the time thing is something that I've divorced myself from i've I've taken too many shots at that, and boy, was that. It. It, it's it, it's never wins. I told my sister the other day. I said, you can listen to whoever you want to listen to prophesy and tell tell you about their visions. But if they mention time, I strongly recommend yeah. you just rip that bar <laughs> out and put it on a the job. <laughs> you
6: know? They're good of be wrong because yeah. <laughs> no, nobody knows. <laughs> uh, but but we can yeah. we can look at the times and as what we do. So um, yeah, so. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch Mr. DeSantis uh, arise. Um, I think he's, he he would be a much uh, more pal- palatable representative of, of conservative and Christian values. Um, but there's always that weapon that the other side has the tendency to do is, is by taking out their uh, opponents uh, any way that they can. So he he will become increasingly more in danger. Um, but I think he has the courage to stand up. I hope he has the has the uh, uh, the wisdom to understand how this battle works, as you were mentioning, because that's going to be key to his success or not.
3: Yeah, in the earlier part of the show, I played in the very beginning. I played a a a, a ten minute bit from uh, Glenn Beck, and he's getting the Lord has given him dreams, and uh, he 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 had reptilians behind him. Now they looked like humans at first. He said they they, they 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 took him into a room, killed a couple of people. Everybody around him was scared to death, and then they told him that they had something special for him. So they were still going to kill him, but they wanted to, you know, torture him or whatever. Um, so he was pretty freaked out. He saw that he said that they yeah. ripped their they ripped the mask off. You know, they ripped their mask off, and he he said they were demons you know what that means that they're they're shape yep. you know they're you yeah know, so but he, you know of course for glenn you know <laughs> if they had shape shifted you know I, I don't know but anyway you know when you got people like glenn beck with the the size of the audience that he has telling yep. people
7: about that yep. kind of stuff
3: and and yep. and good old alex jones the poor guy but he's been telling people these guys are satanic freaks now for like 10 years <laughs> but anyway yep. oh well and here we are well, anyway, I'll turn the show back over to you. Sorry about that. It was very interesting dialogue, it, though, and I, I know the audience yeah, appreciates no, it. Yeah, it's
6: all fascinating, and and more we can get Related? information out. Uh, yeah, it's, that's the key. So, yep. Yeah, and I think uh, and, I, and I think uh, Mr. Beck, you know, probably takes the warning that he got seriously. Um, you know, we're told we're not going to escape tribulation, or you know. We all go through tribulation as Christians. It's just a matter of how severe is that tribulation. So we're going to face that. And uh, there's a lot of things that happened before the start of the last seven years. So uh, it could get very serious as this whole thing shapes up to bring about what they want to bring out. And, and it's significant if you want to bring about a universal religion, a world government, and build the platform for Antichrist. That takes a lot to get the people there Um, and there's going to be a lot of horrific things that happen on that road
3: it's it's unbelievable that the uh, the FEMA camp that they're building they're calling it a COVID camp, but that we know we all know a camp is a camp is a camp is a camp it's a camp, you know uh, Auschwitz is Auschwitz is Auschwitz is Auschwitz you know Dachau is, Dachau is Dachau is Dachau is Dachau I don't give a rip what it looks like what color the buildings are, and you know the one that's outside of Gangju, China right now that they're building uh-huh. two hundred fifty thousand people can go into that camp, each with yeah, their own little cell isn't that nice. I
6: know. Yeah, that's and anyway, yeah. whatever. It's creep stuff. It is what it is. <laughs> so so tonight's chapter is chapter thirty six, um, of the Genesis six conspiracy, how secret societies and the descendants of giants plan to enslave humankind. I think totally um applicable to the topic and maybe what uh, Glenn Beck is, is is uh experiencing out there. And uh just wanted to sort of update people for the second book um, i'm getting close to two thirds of the way through on the proofread uh, and then i'll be getting that off to the publishers um, hopefully before the end of the year so hopefully we'll have the sequel to the genesis six conspiracy subtitled how uh, understanding prehistory uh, helps define end time prophecy And I think people are going to find that interesting in terms of how it really connects the past into what we're seeing today and what is going to happen in in the future. And dealing with that aspect of prehistory, and this starts to get to the sort of the edge of history and prehistory, we're going to talk in Chapter 36, and it's entitled uh, King Saul and uh, King David. And this is the birth of the of the monarchy. And we're going to relate that back into what comes about to bring that kingship about and how that kingship passes on to to David and how that sort of is connected into the whole giant narrative and this visible world that's being run uh, by the demigod that answers to the invisible ones. So chapter 36. Uh, make a chapter 37 um, not 36 my mistake Um, i'm going to open with the uh, verse that leads the chapter and it says goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of israel oh that's the that is Chapter 36 is what I'm on. It's no no wonder I'm reading the wrong quote. But no, we're, I'll, we will recover here very quickly, and I'll get the quote up. Here it is. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you and have taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, let us set a king over us like all of the nations around us, be sure to appoint over you the king the Lord chooses. So this is a passage out of... Deuteronomy seventeen, verses fourteen through fifteen. So in the time of the Exodus and before the uh you know, the conquest of the full covenant land and, and it just sort of shows that whole Alpha Omega aspect that we were talking about earlier that God knows how everything's gonna play out. So even though he doesn't want Israel to be run by a king, he knows they're going to ask for a king to be like the other nations that you know are around him and it it does come to pass and it comes to pass at the end of the epoch of the judges and in the time of the monarchy and so in the age of the judges you had this ongoing this ongoing wars against the Phil- uh, Philistines against the Midianites against the Edomites against the Amalekites and just sort of cycling over and over with these continuous wars with the people that weren't fully flushed out of the greater uh, covenant land area that they actually took under Joshua before Joshua died. And it would ebb and flow. And when Israel needed saving, God would send a judge like Ehud or Gideon and Samson and all the others. And even after that, Israel would again... Start to backslide and start to back away from the holy covenant, and then they would be attacked and persecuted again, and there'd be another judge that would come along to save them. So this whole soap opera of backslide and um, reswearing into the holy covenant goes on for for over 400 years, and at the time of the age of the monarchy, as I I like to call it, we have this continued war that is sort of being fought in a haphazard way through the epoch is now going to come to fruition in more of an organized manner with the rise of the monarchy. And it's going to be a continuation of the war that Moses and Joshua fought against the giants toe-to-toe and nose-to-nose. And so all of this then starts to bring in the requirements of what happened uh, in the time of the exodus. And it begins in the time of the monarchy in terms of how they're going to deal with these nations that are still embedded with hybrid giants and giants. Um, It's going to continue to move in that sort of direction, but again, in, in a much more sort of organized way. And so the people at this time are tired of what's been going on during the epoch of the judges. And they're going to ask for a King and they want a King to be like the other nations. And the other nations had these giant warrior Kings and these dynastic families and these Royal bloodlines that continue to, to, to this day. And there was a significant piece of unfinished business that happened in the time of the exodus and when israel and we've covered this often um, other shows about when israel was just escaping egypt they were attacked by the amalekites whose patriarch was amalek and his wife timnah which was a horim uh, daughter of seir Uh, And formed and lived with the Amalekim, the giant part of uh, the Amalekite patronymic name that Amalek is awarded. And and the Amalekites are going to live amongst the Amalekim in the Petra area of the capital city. They're going to form this great nation and they're going to come out and they're going to attack Israel when they have no real weapons of war. They have no manufacturing capability. They've never been trained for war. They've just escaped Slavery and have been struggling in the desert, and Amalek comes up and attacks them when they're at the most vulnerable and weakest point. And this is not looked upon fondly. This is looked upon as something that is absolutely an abomination by God, from God's eyes and from the people of Israel. And we talked about some of the reasons why there would be this time of reckoning that is coming in the age of the monarchy is that Amalek showed no fear of God when they did this attack. They they, they totally snubbed God and they felt that they could do anything that they want because of the protection of the pantheon of gods that they um, were backing them. They employed all sorts of sorcery and black magic in terms of how they ran their culture, how they ran their wars. And in Exodus 17, 14 through 16, Israel, after winning the war, through completely by God's help and also an exercise with holding Moses' arms in the air was to start to, the process of trying to get Israel to rely on faith in God and not as much faith in what they can do. Uh, and when they did so and, and Moses was able to hold his arms up with the help of a couple of other uh, people, they eventually won the war. And in Exodus 17, it says that Israel was to note this and to remember it. And Deuteronomy 25, remember what Amalek of old did to them, and to, when they come to a time of rest, and the time which is considered with the time of the starting of the monarchy, they're told to blot Amalek memory out to wipe them from the face of the earth to utterly destroy them just as the amalekites were trying to destroy israel from the face of the earth and to steal as being uh, the descendant of eliphaz uh, amalek was son of eliphaz and eliphaz was the son of esau and esau was the one who had the magianic blessing the the abrahamic blessings and the abrahamic birthright taken away from him from jacob who was a younger son uh, than what uh, the esau was and esau lost as the first son that in i'm sure everybody's aware of of the whole jacob and esau story but this is a reckoning uh, that Amalek was trying to bring about in favor of his, of his grandfather, and the reckoning that comes in the time of King Saul and King David is the consequences to this horrible genocidal attack on an unarmed nation in the time of, of the Exodus. And so this is the age when the Amalekites are going to be avenged, and this is a time when israel asked for a king that the king will be bound to his covenants as part of the holy covenant and the going to war edict and the going to war both in and outside of the covenant land and in that in 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 the book of deuteronomy and as we've covered off in 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 shows past They were to put to sword all the men in the land of the covenant and all the people in the land of the covenant. So um, if it was outside the covenant, just the men, but inside the covenant, all, men, women, and child, lest God would do to them what they have planned to do to you. So do it for your own good, but understand this is a covenant that has been sworn to and you need to do it in that they were to utterly destroy all of the cities, utterly destroy everything that was in there, to wipe, just as the foes of Israel were trying to wipe Israel from the face of the earth, they were to do that as justice to those nations who had settled in the land of God that God was gifting to, to Israel. So it's important to understand what is going on. They're going up against Nations in the exodus that are hybrids of Giants and purebred Giants and they are all anti-God and all Sworn uh, as as the book of Psalms talks about in this conspiracy to wipe Israel from from the face of the earth And none of this has changed throughout the whole time of the judges and now the people of Israel have asked for uh, a King and uh the one that is chosen first is is someone that is, you know, from sort of the outside looking in might be a little bit of a surprise. Uh, and so King Saul is the one that people are, are kind of asking for and not necessarily the one God was choosing. But this is the one that they're going to get first as opposed to, um the one that God would like to have which they were instructed to accept. So this this individual his name is Saul. And Saul is a man of great military reputation in his time. And he's considered in their legends as the bravest of all in Israel, based on his exploits. So a great warrior, great reputation, almost hero mighty one like, not Physically, but sort of in that sort of spirit of his great deeds and reputation that He had gained and he was considered strong like a lion and tall Not a giant but taller than all the other Israelites. He was a complete head and a neck uh, Above any other Israelite, so he could literally see above the crowd and so this is somebody who is like the kings in the other nations, not of the bloodlines, not created by fallen angels, not a hybrid, but somebody who is very much akin in terms of his, his military sort of nature, but in the cause for Israel. And so it's thought through most of, most research that Saul wasn't really his original name. Saul is uh, a name that is more of a, a title, it's, and it's because he's named Saul, it's because the people are asking for a king and or desired, depending on how you want to sort of say they were desiring it or they're asking for it, all sort of goes to the same point, and that is derived as the meaning of Saul's name. So it's a title. And so we learn through some other records of history that there was a certain uh, Labiah that is thought to be the original, Saul's original name. And he was the king of Shechem, as, as he's talked about in the Armana letters. And he was of apiru or abiru with a b instead of a p b b p and b are sort of transliterated interchangeably same with habiru with more of the h being silent so those are the three versions of what seem to be the proto-israelites that were living in the land of the covenant based out of secular records both in sumeria egypt and, and elsewhere and so he was the king of shechem and that name actually has a hebrew root to it so labi means great as in a stout lion just as i've talked about in the past is that the uh, warriors were tend to be barrel chested and amongst the, the the nephilim and considered stout and so he is like a great stout lion he's that sort of regal in his skill and that's strong in his strength. And the last word being Yah. So Labai Yah. And Yah means God. So he would be the great lion of God. And so that is thought to be his original name as it shows up in, in secular records. And to me, it makes makes a lot of sense. And so he... King Saul um, is the king of Shechem and Shechem is a very important place in Israel. And so Shechem is where Saul is identified as from. And from a biblical sense, again, that all makes sense that Labiah would be king of Shechem. That's where Jacob built an altar to God. That's where the people of uh, Judah um, slew, uh the hivite princes at shechem that's where joseph uh, bought land there that's where i'm sorry yeah that's where um, jacob bought land land there and it was the place where joseph uh, was bequeathed that land and it was a land where joseph and jacob was buried at shechem And this is the place where Israel annually renewed the covenant and re-swore to uphold the covenant every year at Shechem. So Shechem is a very important place within Israelite history and why he would be associated from other Gentile nations in their records with Shechem. And so King Saul is walking in as being selected and being anointed by Samuel who's not necessarily in favor of Samuel because they didn't he didn't think he had the proper character to um, be king but he's the one that the people had asked for and he had very very royal bloodlines within Israel not the royal dynastic Nephilim and Raphaim bloodlines, but within Israel, within the great patriarchs of, of Israel. So he was um, son of a very high-ranking chieftain within Israel named Kish and of the clan of Metri and of Benjamite, as opposed to being of Judah, that what David was. And within Saul's bloodline and family were two very very famous judges Ehud and Gideon so all part of that sort of mythos as to why the people would be asking for somebody like Saul because they wanted somebody who could take on these hybrids and these giants that are reinforcing the hybrid nations of of that time and, and persecuting Israel generation after generation after generation they wanted somebody who was like them that they could take them on and and you know, utterly remove them from the land, and so Saul becomes king. And Saul, as part of his kingship covenant, he is instructed by the prophet Samuel, who anointed him, to utterly destroy the Amalekites for the crimes that they did against Israel in the Exodus. And to apply all of the edicts of the work covenant and the going to war covenant, part of the holy covenant, the edict of the holy covenant, I should say. And when we say utterly destroy, that's that Hebrew word we've talked about in the past, haram, c h a r a m. So uh, a lot of times when you see when you have a c h in Hebrew, it's usually a C is silent. So it's just as Hermon or Herman would start with a C and an H in, in, in Hebrew as it's translated out of Hebrew letters into English. And his instructions were very, very clear. Not only is underlined within the covenant, not only did they were obligated to read their obligations of kingship every day and to fulfill those obligations, the instructions that Samuel provided were very, very clear. And that he was to utterly destroy Amalek, that they be remembered no more. The same thing that Amalek was trying to do with Israel. And so Saul took up the challenge, took up the obligation of the kingship, organized Israel into an army and... Waged war against the Amalekites And he defeated them But he didn't utterly destroy them He didn't kill Every male Every woman Every child Every animal And they also plundered part of the animals And they also plundered Other possessions of the Amalekites And they celebrated this victory, but Samuel was quick to chastise them for this once he had learned of it. And Saul had defeated the western Amalekites that would have lived in Seir and Petra, um, the capital royal city of the Amalekites and the Malachin who would have lived amongst them, and probably why Amalek was given that name by Timna and Eliphaz, or perhaps maybe by later biblical writers, but nonetheless, there are hybrids and there are giants, and we know there's giants of the Amalekim that show up before um, this battle or before Amalek arrives in Genesis 36 because the Amalekim giants are part of the War of Giants in Genesis 14, which predates it by several generations. So we know there's two separate peoples that, that, that are in play there, and Amalek received a patronymic name, of the original giant nation, and so Saul didn't even kill King Agag, and Agag is that patronymic title, like a king title, like Caesar or like Pharaoh, just as you had an in Agag in the Book of Numbers, that um, where you get this prophecies of Balaam, where Agag is uh, a challenging earthly kingdom in an antichrist type manner to uh, the coming one from israel the messiah who will become jesus and so this is still at play in this war but saul doesn't kill a king of gag and the long line of kings of bloodlines and and spares them and samuel is absolutely it'll set aside with Saul not fulfilling to the letter the instructions that were relayed to, to to Saul that God wanted to have happen to utterly destroy Amalek. So what Samuel does is he actually kills a gag, but he just doesn't kill him. He shews him to pieces just as you would you know, can imagine in pieces, but the important piece to probably remember would be the cutting off of the head, which is implied here, just as David would take the head of Goliath. This is the way you ensure that you they don't have an ability to recover or heal, heal themselves, that the Raphaim were thought they had the ability to have. Uh, Rapha coming from Raphael generally translated as healer of god or doctor of god or god heals however you want to trans- translate that rafa is also part of the raphaim name not, i'm not saying the raphael in the apocrypha as he's listed as a loyal angel was uh, the one that uh, fathered giants after the flood but there was probably one of a similar type of spelling with an i-e-l or something like that um that were part of the fallen group, or, or a name that would be similar that would they would take their name from, but they were passed on these traits of healing, as it seems to have turned out. So Hall, so Samuel hewed a gag into several pieces. But right now the whole sort of cat is out of the bag, so to speak. That the people of the Amalekites of the east, there's going to be survivors. And we see this showing up hundreds of years later in the time of Esther and in the time of uh, King Azurus of uh, Mesopotamia. And that Haman the Agagite, an Agagite is defined as being identical to an Amalekite or kingship, kingship bloodline of the Amalekite, in the time of Esther, is appointed by King Hazurus as the head of the vassal princes at the court. That's how highly this bloodline was held up as, as even though a vassal state still was considered with significant sort of respect. And so Saul is being told at this point in time, that his bloodline is no longer going to continue because he didn't follow the letter of the law. He didn't follow the instructions of God. And so Saul's bloodline is not going to continue, and David is going to come along to be replaced them, who God chooses and who the Messiah is going to come through and one more kin to chasing after God's heart is David than what Saul was. So Saul was a little bit more interested, a lot more interested in himself than total devotion to what God wanted. And so this is going to lead to Saul's destruction, not immediately, and David is still very, very young at this point in time, and he shows up in one of the Philistines' war and does the battle as a teenager against Goliath, and then is going to grow up, in the reign of King Saul but there's a point in time where King Saul's reign is going to come to an end and so will his dynastic reign and that's going to be a Philistine battle as he is continuing to battle against the Philistines and other people um, but not in the way that he needs to do to get this thing done and King Saul is going to lose the battle at Mount Gilboa And the Philistines are going to uh, ensure Saul and his sons are killed, or as as the Bible talks about Saul killing himself, but the sons are killed as well. What's interesting with what the uh, Philistines do, they took uh, Saul's body and the son's body, and they hung them up in a city called Bethshan. In other places of the Old Testament, it's Beth Shion. And it's also called, as you get into, uh, like the book of Maccabees, it's called Scythopolis, uh, the city of the Scythians, and also known as the city of power. And so this is a city that was well known to be part of the Raphaim and the Aryan world order right through to the time of King David, right through to the time of of, of Josephus, because it's still recognized as Psythopheles as, 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 as one of its names. And so they're hanging it there because of the importance of killing of King Saul and his dynastic sons in probably the most powerful city of that time um, in the reign of King Saul. And so David's going to, to rise. To power and David is going to be obligated to fulfill the same obligations as Saul did not fail but David is going to be a true warrior like Saul but a true warrior for God in the spirit of God and doing what God says he's not going to be perfect he's going to make some mistakes but as all humans do, but he is going to be zealous after God and to do things to fulfill the obligations of the Holy Covenant and the kingship uh, edicts. And so David, even at the time of, and just before the battle of of Gilboa, where King Saul is going to lose, David is going to attack Amalekites while he's still working for um, uh, Ashish, king of Gath, uh, whom and interesting about Ashish is is that he is providing David protection within his kingdom as a mercenary, and he knows who David is. He knows he killed Goliath, but there's almost like not just a respect. There's almost like I owe David in terms of what he does for David in terms of protection. In fact. Ashish wants to bring David to that battle. David goes, but the lords of the Philistines, the ruling council behind the kings, the seniors of the royals, they say, no, he can't fight for us. We don't trust him. And he's and, and Ashish is to send him away. Ashish becomes king because David slew Goliath, who was the king of Gath. And we know there was five kings of the Philistine Metapolis there because David took five smooth stones with him because he thought he might have to kill all five kings that day and take their heads, But he only had to kill one before the Philistines panicked and, and Israel routed them. So we have this whole story playing out and what he does when he is told to leave, he goes and he massacres the Amalekites at uh, Zel- Zelke. And uh, in, um, that's in uh, 1 Samuel 2.1, you can look that up, and uh, 1 Samuel 31 to 3 were the verses I'm talking about. So when David comes to king, he has to finish the job, and with the Amalekites, there would be probably a mopping up area within the area of Seir, but the thing is with the Amalekites, as recorded in the book of Judges, and with their alliance with the Medians and the people of the east, Kadam, and I think directly related with the Cadmonites. And in my uh, new book, book, I cover this off in detail, this connection of these peoples of the East or Persia. The Amalekites are in an alliance there as well. So David is going to have to wipe the Amalekites out from the East to fulfill the promise that was made in the time of Moses and Joshua at the Battle of Rephidim. For the Amalekites abomination of attacking Israel when they're most vulnerable. And so we get the understanding that David indeed did wipe all of the Amalekites out that he could find, including the ones in the east. And we know this is because Psalms 94.8 tells us that David blotted their name out forever that they would be remembered no more. And that is applied to the people that they were ordered to blot their name out. The Raphaim never had their names blotted out. Many of the other Raphaim nations and hybrid nations did not have their name blotted out, but history doesn't show a record of the Amalekites. And so they wiped out all the history that was in the lands that they covered Uh, That they encountered as well And ultimately destroyed everything In this This Word called Haram Which is like a Holy war Like a holy ritual That Israel was commanded To do For the abominations of of the Amalekites And so we don't remember the Amalekites anymore However we do get Erected Uh, some recollection of Amalekites down through history, just as there's obviously a bloodline that survives through a gag that shows up in the book of Esther. And then also we see Amalekites listed in first uh, Chronicles four verses 42 and 43, that some Amalekites were still alive at that time uh, in the time of King Ezekiel in Seir as well. So, and they were wiped out at that time. But just these remnants that were sort of uh, scattered here and there, but never had an historical imprint again to fulfill the words that God had created this curse, this holy curse. To make them accursed is another way you would understand Haram. And so David, um, in like manner, after dealing with, the Amalekites, he's going to finish off the Philistines. He's going to finish off the Avim and the Anakim who live amongst the Philistine confederacy of their pentapolis states. And in fact, the Avim and Anakim are going to maintain control over, you know, three or four cities of the Philistines. And that's why you have this background organization called the lords or the princes of the philistines which you'll create the kings and appoint the kings Uh, so that's why ashish was answerable to the lords and why he had to send david away uh, before the battle of gilboa and so we have this powerful alliance that david is going to deal with with the philistines Saul fought them, too, but David is the one who brought down the Philistine Empire that they never, ever recovered uh, to the same level that they had before, is the level that David had. And, and David uh, permitted uh, permitted them to remain and not utterly destroyed them because they weren't in the land that they were living in. They were sort of outside that land. But understand that it was David's obligation to uh, war with the Philistines and do what Saul couldn't do and do what the judges couldn't do and what Joshua's life didn't permit him to do because he died at the end of his age. I mean, that was a transgenerational war that went on to get done what they did. That's how powerful these giants were. There's also the horim that were still there. And David will do wars with the Edomites, which are the hybrid descendants with the uh, uh, dual sort of dynasty that's going on in Syria with the Syrians, who are also called Edomites. In the battle, in one of the battles that David has with them, and he's going to deal with both the Edomites, which are probably as much Hivim at that time, or perhaps Hurrian, which are sister branches of the Horim. In Syria, as with the Edomites that are um, and descendants and in, by intermarriage of the Horeem in in the uh, Seir region, um, and so David is dealing with these kingdoms as well, as well he's going to be dealing with uh, a and Moab and brings them all to heal, so that there's an age of peace that's going to be blossoming that is going to permit the temple to be built. And David isn't permitted to build the temple. He takes Jerusalem as part of the many feats that he did. And it's to me, it's always amazing, to, you know, to, and, and when I let it sink in that the Israelites weren't able to take Jebus, the, uh, Jerusalem until the time of King David. Such was the fortress there and the fortress... I guess, military protection and walls and things that went as, as was one of the super mighty walls. And it's also the one of the areas where the Hyksos out of Egypt, after they were upended by the Egyptians, um, they fled not only to Crete where the Philistines were as part of that whole um Kinship with the Philistines that I cover in in my in my new book, but also they fled to Jerusalem as well, and so they would have had the weaponry of the Hyksos and the ability to fortify Jerusalem that held out until the time of David, and so David takes Jerusalem, but he's not the one that's permitted to do the temple. David was a warrior king. Solomon was to be the king that would be more the priest king and that, and he goes sideways as well that we'll cover off in, in a subsequent show but it also sort of as what david and solomon were ordained to do they sort of present the dual nature of, of jesus one is as a priest king in, in the order of milk as jesus will take as has taken over that priesthood and also as the warrior king that's going to come back in the end time. And so that's the bloodline that's going to produce the future Jesus, who's, uh, who is the word of God um, that has been res- uh, crucified and resurrected and is coming again at the end of the ordained time, which is the end time, which are the events that we're seeing happen today. And that we're going to see... A rise of the Naphelim world order that's with an A, not with an E, so it's the fallen ones of the Shemaim, the heavenly ones that are the invisible ones, working through their visible ones of these demigod bloodlines that are going to be assembling this Naphelim world order again uh that's going to be led by the ten kings in Babylon and then ultimately by Antichrist that we see shaping up today. And that's why, when we're talking about um Governor DeSantis is is i'm i i hoping and praying that he understands that he's warring against both if he's going to be successful and that's the presentation for tonight.
3: well, praise God and wait and <laughs> nice way to just tie it back into DeSantis It's such as it's it's very true, you know, and I think it's uh noteworthy again, like I said earlier, you know that um that Glenn Beck got that vision and it showed him, you know, what he's dealing with. So um I, I think, you know, the that's millions of people, millions more people. The word's gonna spread and and make even the work yeah. that you're doing now uh even more relevant. And um did you say the new book is how understanding prehistory connects uh the end, to the end times prophecy, or what was the title of it? <laughs>
6: Yeah. So what I'm tying on with it's going to be called the Genesis 6 Conspiracy Part Two, and then the subtitle will be very similar to this, unless the publishers veto it. Um, will be um, how understanding prehistory helps define end time prophecy.
3: Cool. All right well, thank you again always uh so much for joining us tonight and so edifying we always get a big group of folks uh you know listening to the program when you join us, uh brother Gary, and I just wanted to say again, you know I just cannot express uh the gratitude that we have that you're willing to take the time to share all this with us because it is very relevant to the things that are happening today and um and i'm I'm doubly as excited about uh to see how you connect that all together uh with the subsequent book. That is, uh, and what, what do you what do you think the timeline might be before release? I'm hoping
6: to have it, I'm hoping to have to have the manuscript in the publisher's hand by the end of the year. I'm a, in about chapter forty seven of the proofread of eighty four chapters, so slightly smaller than the first book, but there's a ton of information in there, and then uh, t- uh, getting it into the queue for publication. I'm hoping for first quarter, but if I don't get it in there in time, it'll be second quarter because they usually take books on in the queue a quarter at a time, so...
3: Awesome. Well, praise God. Well, thank you again for joining us tonight. Thank you, everybody else, for joining us tonight. I'm going to go ahead and stay, uh, keep, and, and Gary, uh, God bless you. We'll see you next month, same time. Um, thank you again. I, ca- I cannot express our gratitude, uh, you know, emphatically enough. Thank you, brother. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, kick out a couple of more of these headlines here uh, for those of you who are still hanging on, uh, just because they're so relevant uh, to the things that are happening. Happening right now. Uh, and, um, you know, and then uh, then we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. But I, I, I just didn't want to leave these things hanging because they're just this, the, the gravity, the magnitude, the darkness, the significance, the impact is so humongous that by, you know, if I were to not. I don't think I could sleep with myself. I really feel that the information needs to be got at, gotten out there. So I'm going to go ahead and take the next uh, couple of minutes here to just kind of finish these off, just so you have a well-rounded understanding of the things that are going on uh, around the world. And, um, you know, again, uh, you know, when Gary is talking about, the, you know, the timelines that he's referring to, you have to understand that, you know, he's referring to the fullness of the Gentiles, the Great Tribulation, the Tribulation Saints, the New Millennium. So that adds an awful lot of time onto the timeline, because not everybody's going to be going through all those things. Okay, again, you've got, like I said before, and we've done entire shows on it, the barley harvest, the wheat harvest, the grape harvest, which happens in Revelation 14. Yeah, And like I said, if you really want to see the words grape harvest jump off the page, you get yourself a copy of the, uh, you know, the NLP, uh, the New Living Translation. Uh, I keep it by my side when I'm studying, I, I do most of my studying with the New King James, uh, love to have a parallel amplified, um, uh, but uh, uh, but boy, I will tell you, I would really like to have, uh, but they don't make it a uh, New King James uh, NLT par- uh, parallel amplified uh, uh, in paper. That would just be just like way too awesome. But I, I like I said, I keep the NLT around because there's something about that that seems to be an incredible tiebreaker, and it just shows you things that other the other ones don't. It just does, and uh, and it jumps right off the page. And and when I uh you know so I was looking for where you know if 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 there's there's three concepts of the you know three harvests barley, wheat, grape. Surely it should be in there, right? And so I then I said, oh, what the heck. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some searching here in the NLT and just see what comes up. And sure enough, right there in Revelation 14, there it was. And I was like, well, there you have it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, I wanted to go back uh, and hit these last few headlines because they're very relevant to the building up of uh, what appears to be. Now, again, could it take some time? Absolutely. Did you know that the Syrian war has been going on since 2011? Yes, it has. So um, just as a little mind refresher, I'm just going to snap back real quick and reread Colonel um, McGregor's – as, you know, very well-informed insider assessment of what is built up on the border of the Ukraine at this time. This is not what you will ever hear. You will never, 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 never hear anything even close to this because I monitor both. I monitor you. Uh, I'm sorry, um, Yahoo News, which is so woke and twisted and sick and lying. But I monitor those on purpose because I want to know what the vast majority of the budweiser population of the United States is and I'm not picking if you like budweiser good for you I'm not I, that's that, that wasn't meant to be a, a specific dig but you know it's a mindset reference, you know, kind of me- metaphorical mind mindset reference, and yes, there's a lot of people out there are, you know, armchair quarterbacks are watching football, they have no idea that the end times is just, you know, getting ready to eat their lunch and pop the bag, and it's unfortunate you know, so um, I I am always very praiseful when uh, contractors and people come to my house and they're like wide awake, and it's kind of neat too, because when they come inside the house, they see the, the doorway to the Golden JIB studio, invariably, if they're, you know, like the house inspector that's working on my inspection, and I'm just praising God because I believe I'm going to pass because Jesus said it, and I stand behind it, you know, and if there's another, if something else happens, then there's going to be a reason for it. Praise Jesus, hallelujah. But anyway, uh, he saw, you know, my Area 51 sign, do not, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know, and that kind of, let me tell you something, that, boy, talk about a, a conversation starter. But anyway, McGregor, quote, the coming offensive, so again, he makes it very clear that there is an offensive, that Russia is about to launch against Ukraine. Okay? The coming offensive phase of the conflict will provide a glimpse of the new Russian force that is emerging and its future capabilities. So they're going to bring all their real advanced weaponry with them. They're not going to be messing around is what he's saying here. He says as of this writing, 504 Forty thousand Russian combat forces are assembled in southern Ukraine, western Russia, and Belarus, which basically means they got them completely surrounded. The numbers continue to grow, so he implies that 540 ain't that ain't it. (laughs) There's going to be a bunch more, okay? And he says, and and the numbers include already just as of now, 1,000 rocket artillery systems. Now these are the systems that launch the rockets. You hear what I'm saying? It's not a thousand rockets. That's the 1,000 artillery systems that launch the rockets, (laughs) okay? Thousands of tactical ballistic missiles, cruise missiles, drones of untold numbers, plus 5,000 armored fighting vehicles, that is a lot, including at least 1,500 state-of-the-art tanks so not, not not these resurrected world war 2 you know add some oil and hope the engine starts stuff that we've been given to the ukraine this is the the top of the line stuff okay so anyway according to mcgregor the onslaught is coming now again as i have mentioned i use uh uh telegram and i see the vi- i i see videos i see uh you know and and for those of you who are interested in staying on top of it i will share with you um that once again i monitor uh, Scott Ritter there's a couple of people that imitate Scott but Scott Ritter's channel um just has like a little gi joe looking guy with his hands on his hips so you'll know the icon there's another one i monitor called intel republic very good uh that one gives you a higher level view of what's going on uh not only in the ukraine and russia it's re- UK- ukraine russia focused but it is also it also throws in there. Like when Poland makes an agreement with uh, Lithuania, you know, it keeps you appraised at a high level of what NATO's up to behind the scenes, which gives you a well-rounded understanding. Then you've got Intel Slava Z, uh, just like it sounds, Intel space Slava space Z. And that really gets into the weeds. Now, they do include bunches of other things like, you know, they toss them in there, but you know that some of that stuff is uh pretty hardcore you know they're they're right there on the scene and you do see the actual fighting you do see the well you see bodies and parts <laughs> okay so i'm just warning you all right of course patrick lancaster news today this guy is a um he he does his own thing uh he is a freelance uh journalist and he's over there on people's contributions and he's from texas And he goes right into the heart of the battle, and once again, he's seeing the same thing everybody else that's over there sees. It's nothing, nothing at all like what we have here, you know, what we see here on Yahoo News or any of that other stuff. (laughs) The other day, I... uh, Got a message from Diana Pulliam. It turns out she's on – she's like, hey, I didn't know you were on uh, Telegram. I, I'm not even sure how she found me. All right. Well, anyway, maybe maybe because they make you plug in your phone number or something like that. But anyway, so – and then, of course, uh, Aussie kosack one word, A U S S I E C O. S-S-A-C-K. He does spend an awful lot of time talking about Australia and their role in the whole, um, because that's his thing. But he also does sometimes a good summary. So you can hit like four or five of his uh, posts and catch up with things really fast with his. But uh, again, if you use Telegram, you can you can download it on your desktop. You can download it uh, on your phone. Uh, it, it is, for the most part, encrypted, but, but believe me, the uh, the forces of evil are still there censoring and killing channels. They just haven't killed any of these that I've been monitoring. They did kill one. Okay, it was UKRLeaks underscore ENG. Um, well, wait, let me double check. No, that one's still working. UK, well, anyway, so I just wanted to share those with you. I forget what the name of the one was that I was monitoring pretty closely, but they killed it. Uh, anyway, so there is some, you know, they're trying to, to, to wipe it all out, but they're having problems with some of the um electronic solutions such as Telegram because it has a web of servers all over the world that are all inter-encrypted amongst one another, and it makes it exceedingly difficult uh, for the forces of darkness to knock them out. All right, all right, so I just wanted to get that out there. All right, so anyway, uh, I also mentioned, don't forget, the the footing, the purpose for the American soldiers uh, in the neighboring countries... It, they're publicly stating now that they are going to battle readiness which that is very interesting. So what's going to happen? Oh, and by the way, I learned something. It's not Article 5 that's the one that causes all the wars, it's actually Article 4 of, you know, NATO's articles. And um and that's why they've been pushing recently for you know when the poll when the when the missile from the Ukrainian Nutbags uh, landed in Poland and they everybody the whole the whole world's like
7: look what Russia dead
3: well it had nothing to do with Russia and they all had to eat crow anyway which you know anyway so hopefully you're aware of that they're still they're still shelling the new nu- the big Zapra, like it starts with a Z zapra, fra, blah, 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 blah. it's a long hard word to say I have to bring Tatiana on here to say it but anyway um, that big that's that's one of the biggest nuclear power plants in the world I don't know if you know that or not so if they if they do get land a shell at the wrong spot at the wrong time, that's going to be it's going to make Chernobyl look like, you know, a bad day uh, in a park. All right. So anyway, um, Charisma News reports, and let me go ahead and scan, scan in on this. So again, it's you know I want to cover some of these more these other things that are going on because it's all happening at the same time. So remember when uh, I said you know that um, the uh, you know even if the Republicans took over the Senate and the House, that they would be so busy trying to reverse everything that it wouldn't stop Biden and Obama and the World Economic Forum and these global Nazi, human-murdering, eugenicist, filthy shape-shifting creatures from continuing with their agenda. Okay, and it's and it is. It's a well-oiled machine. They know exactly what they're doing. And really, when you think about it, they've been up to this for now for a really long time. The destruction of our educational system actually began back in the 70s. Okay. So, when you realize how long they've been working on this, um I personally do not see them slowing down. For nobody's business. All right. Now God could God could do that. I mean, you know, the, our heavenly father could allow something to interrupt and slow things down, but I see no trending indication and I see no biblical no Bible verses to suggest that any of this is going to slow down. At least as far as, you know, for those of us who are targeting who are living Good lives, I mean, you know, holy, righteous lives, seeking the Lord, intimate with Jesus, increasing our intimacy with Jesus, and praying fervently for the lost, and touching other people's lives in, in whatever good, godly, Christian way that we possibly can. That's our job. All right, you know, be good to the widows and, uh, and visit, the, you know, the, the, the orphans and such, and, 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 you know, and love each other. And, and when you love somebody, your behaviors toward them change. Okay, you know, faith without works is dead. Doesn't do you no good to be a Jesus freak and do nothing about it. Okay, so there's your heads up. All right, so anyway, so uh, Charisma News reports, listen to this. Accounts closed. Banks and businesses are now cancel culturing Christians. So... You know these entities of darkness, out of the World Economic Forum and trickling down from the House Windsor and all these other really sick, twisted, evil, baby-killing entities. They are um, this whole thing. You know, to, to, to Glenn Beck's point and everything. This is trickling down from way up high, and. The, you know the banks it, it's a corporatocracy it's a uh, fascism it's just like Nazi Germany IG Farben IBM they were very heavily involved in uh, the Nazification of Germany and the power structure that was implemented in Germany's infrastructure that was all big big corporations were heavily involved and they used the people uh, that they put into the Auschwitz prison camps, you know that's why it's set on the door it's you know on the on the big you know overhang where they went in. Where the train goes, in, it said, "You know, work will set you free." Well, it's a lie, but nevertheless, you know, it's you know, who are they working for? IG Farben, IBM, stuff like that. So these are the things that we see happening today: City, Citibank, HSBC. Uh, you know, uh, uh, they're all in on it, okay? And it, and and what they're doing is they're pushing the agenda downward, so and forcing it on people, forcing them, and, well, you heard what Glenn Beck said, and, and he's right. It's sick, it's twisted, it's pedophilia, it's all of the above. It's just absolutely so disgusting that you just don't even want to think about it, but unfortunately, it, you know, it is part of the end times, and also, a uh, it's a bellwether for us to know how close, or at least to, to get some sort of a Holy Spirit feeling of how close we really are to the imminent departure. And and, and I think we're all looking forward to that imminent departure. And really, when you think about it, if I'm right, if, and that's a big if, folks, but if I'm right about the trigger point, well, I know as a fact that I'm right about 2 Thessalonians 2. So So when we see Obama go into the White House, that's, That is really the bell. That's the bell. Ding, 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 ding. When he goes, you know, and maybe he doesn't even have to go back into the White House. Maybe something else will make it incredibly globally obvious that he is the Mac Daddy of all Antichrists, the final Antichrist. And uh, when that occurs, believe you me, folks, the bell has rung. Okay, now here's the thing. But there's no nothing for certain well, I would have to. So, I, I still think Second Thessalonians two has to happen, and I do believe that we're, you know, do not harm the oil or the wine is clearly talking about the bride of Jesus Christ at the end of the third seal. So, those are our markers, and we're getting close. I mean, just look what's okay, and you'll see you'll see that as I progress through the news here. So it makes so again, accounts are being closed. So basically, a multi faith charity goes in. They they want to go in and, uh, you know, deposit a bunch of money. They open up an account. Uh, you know, I'm trying to look and see which one. It, I guess it doesn't really matter which bank it is. Oh, this one's J.P. Morgan. They're just like the king of evil. So, I you know, anyway, I'm not going to get in. But anyway, yep. Um, they said that if you will disclose who you are supporting, what money you're given and where you're given the money to under 501c4, considerations, we might reopen your account. Get that. Talk about some censoring there. All right. So watch out for that. That's all the wokeism, the LGBT. It's it's all being pushed down. It's, It's everything. It's climate change, everything. It's all wrapped up into one thing called ESG. Okay, so if you don't know about that term, now you do. ESG is environmental, social and governance. And it includes, uh, as uh, DeSantis had mentioned, all that woke nonsense that, you know, everything, including the pedophilia and the children, the drag queens and all that stuff. And they're pushing it down and they are twisting people's arms, you know, and you could, you know, so anyway, I'm not going to, you, you could, that's one of those things you could talk about for really for four hours. There's so much information on it. All right. Hallelujah. Next one up. It's, it is beginning 41% of all small business owners could not pay rent in November. Now I really don't like hearing this because one of my, you know, I know man plans and God laugh, but you know, I just. I one of those people who likes to have a plan B. Well, when I see this and I'm going to quote it to you quote unfortunately forty one percent of the united states based small business owners report that they could not pay their rent in full and on time in the month of November, November. A new record for twenty twenty two Making matters worse, this occurred during a quarter when more money should be coming in and rent delinquency rates should be decreasing. But so far this quarter, the opposite is true. So anyway, for those of us that's stuck in corporate America to survive and don't have our houses paid off, this is not good news. And for me, you know, starting you know, if if I were to even consider starting my own business, that's really bad news. Because if they can't pay their rent, they're not going to pay me diddly. All right. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Thank you, Father. This is necessary to restore public trust. Elon Musk says he will reveal all secret documents about Twitter's decision to ban Hunter Biden's laptop. So now while the lefty, hard lefty LGBT left uh, ESG groups, Nazis and whatever you want to call them, they are, you know, they're, they're mind-controlled, they're evil, we all know that. But re- what they're doing right now, I noticed this tonight, is they're going out, they're shooting out. I got, like, news tickers that going across my screen all the time. So, you know, I, I'm always getting updated and appraised on changes, even while the show is going on. Anyway, so um, one of the things that's happening right now is, just like with the Ukraine, they're downplaying uh, the significance of the Twitter uh, Twitter files event that is occurring right now and while they're downplaying it and telling everybody, ah, sorry Trump, it's not as revealing as, uh, you know, everybody thought it was going to be. Well, guess what? There's more coming. And according to Elon Musk on Twitter, he's making it pretty clear that it is extremely damning. As a matter of fact, so much so that there are already people calling for the arrest of the last uh, uh, CEO of Twitter. Um, So we'll see how bad, you know, how much that explodes uh, as they consider. So. Evidently, I think what is happening is why, why isn't it just one big event? Well, first off, there's so much um, evidence, and it's so detailed, and so it, 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 it's evidence about collusion with the government. It's evidence about collusion with the Democratic National Convention. It's evidence of collusion with three-letter agencies. It's evidence. I mean, it is so bad it makes like WikiLeaks years and years of existence seem. It's big. It's real big. So, and then if on top of all of that, Musk is trying to make sure at least look over this stuff with some due diligence to make sure that he, you know. There isn't some like national, you know, because he knows they're trying to hang him. He knows they're trying to hang him. Now, I'm not saying I'm a big old Eli. You know, I, I, I'm very troubled about his Neuralink project. I think that's very twisted and sick. And I don't, Musk is just an opportunist. I don't think he's smart enough, honestly, um, to realize the long-term end times implications of, of some of the things that he's doing. But anyway, that's all beside the point. Praise to God. Let's move on. All right, and then another – this is out of Fox News. It says, Elon Musk says, more smoking guns are on the way from Twitter after the Hunter, Hunter Biden, Biden laptop thing. So this isn't just about the laptop. It isn't just about the pedophilia. It isn't just about all that other evil, ugly stuff. It's about collusion with foreign governments. It's it It's the whole henhouse, man. It's the whole angelata, and it's going to get very interesting. And uh, then the next headline says – uh, appropriately so, Washington is going to war against Twitter and free
5: speech,
3: and um, you know again, uh, you know it, it, it says Washington this week in full wartime footing. Uh, no, it's not over with the Russian invasion of Little Goes you know it covers a bunch of stuff, but it, but the focus of this particular article is, and and with with you know uh, pointing to different things that are happening at the White House press secretary level, that it appears that they Washington is going to try to take out uh, Elon Musk. All right. Um, how they're going to pull that off, I have no idea. Um, you know, they'll probably come out with some kind of an executive order or something, and then they'll try to hold them accountable for it, and the next thing you know, we got ourselves another, you know... Uh, you know, Snowden sort of a situation in Moscow, go back to like Johannesburg. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. The Exposé reports the United Nations and the WEF declare we own the science and admit to censoring information on Google and social media that destroys the official narrative. Now, we know that, but... I like the fact that this stuff is getting out there and people are – okay. Now, the next he- thing here I, – I, I can play it. It only lasts a, a couple of seconds. Let me see. Here it goes. Okay, where's the little
6: – there it is. Oh. Okay.
3: Hold on.
4: What you're seeing is real.
3: And if that wasn't weird enough,
4: there's a clip of sheep and birds doing it together. And the birds and land
3: animals aren't the only things acting strange. Last time I checked, this is now fish out. And weird things aren't just going on with the animals. It's nature, too.
2: I don't know. Trees
3: moving. That's what It is All right. So for those of you who have been with this program since 2011, none of this is new. The animals running in circles, the birds flying in crazy patterns, the animal kills, the even the really weird stuff like the giant, tre- you know, the big pine trees like moving across the ground, like somebody's grabbing their roots and pushing them from below. Some super weird stuff. But I will say this: it sure seems to be increasing, and people's awareness of it definitely appears to be increasing. But there for a while, and uh, particular- particularly uh, in the year 2020. 12, uh, That kind of stuff was going on humongously, and we were talking about it on this program all the time. But it's back. It's back. Where's that little girl at? There she is.
2: Yeah, right all
3: right, praise God. Now, this was pretty freaky-deaky, and the only thing that I can think of is the nearness of Planet X. I don't know if you're aware of this, but, uh, the, you know, there's a particular scene. So if you type the word melancholia into like DuckDuckGo and you look at the images that come up, you will see a scene where this short-haired blonde lady, she's kind of pretty, um, uh, she's holding her hands up in the air and there's like – like it's almost like a Fandegraaff generator. You know, it's like little lightning bolts and stuff are coming out of her – well, guess what? That's actually happening right now in Saudi Arabia. I actually watched the video. Now, of course, they're talking in whatever, Farsi or whatever. So I couldn't tell what they were saying, but I could see what was going on. Mysterious plasma starts glowing from fingertips during lightning storms in Saudi Arabia. And I looked at the video and... Mm -hmm. and sure enough, uh, everybody was holding their hands up. They were all holding their hands up. And uh, and there was like these like plasma lightning things coming out of their fingertips, crazy stuff. Of course, we've got oncologists all over the place screaming bloody murder because people are coming up with cancer like crazy. Uh, You've you got the Senate passing a landmark same-sex marriage protection. So the feds are overriding the states as best as they can. Um, listen to this. Dutch government plans to shut down up to three thousand farms. They're actually out there with heavy equipment tipping over their uh, uh, their uh, um, you know tractors and everything. It is unbelievable. So anyway, I just wanted to get some of these things. Oh, and by the way, the world's largest uh, aircraft, uh, the An-124 Russian heavy cargo transport, has been seen going in and out of China a whole lot lately. So that seems to be part of the buildup as well. All right, praise. God. Got it. And uh, so anyway, I just wanted to share all these things with you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Tonight is Sunday, December the 4th, and we will see you, Lord willing, Wednesday night at 7 p.m. God bless you all. And we'll talk a little bit more about intimacy with Jesus, and I'll play you an audio uh, bite that uh, really rang true in my heart. All right. We don't want to miss whatever. Father, in the name of Jesus, let not one of us, not one miss whatever it takes in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all, and we will see you Wednesday night, Lord willing.
5: shall see my glory.